Here comes the money. You're now listening to the Gambling with Gold podcast with Jason Gold. Presented by Champions Round. What is going on? Welcome back to Gambling with Gold. My name is Jason Gold, as always, joined by my buddy from the Action Network, Dan Titus. Dan, how are we doing today as we preview the AFC South? How are you feeling? Couldn't be more excited to talk about the AFC South, man. Um, but nah, man, it's a, it's a good day. We got football, the Hall of Fame games coming up, man. It's uh, that much closer to football season, so I'm really excited. Yeah, so we are recording this on Tuesday, August 2nd, two days before the Hall of Fame game, which features the Jaguars. Uh, let me run through some odds in the division. Probably one of the least interesting divisions in the NFL, but gambling always makes things spicy, so I'm sure that we're going to have a ton of bets on this division best part about gambling make anything interesting uh odds for the afc south indianapolis colts minus 125 tennessee plus 170 jacksonville plus 700 houston plus 3000 win totals for each team indianapolis 10 tennessee 9 jacksonville six and a half houston four and a half those numbers are all available at DraftKings to make the playoffs and miss the playoffs i'll give out odds for both uh, Indianapolis minus 175 to make the playoffs, plus 140 to miss. Tennessee minus 110 each way. Jacksonville plus 450 to make the playoffs, minus 650 to miss the playoffs, plus 1600 for the Houston Texans to make the playoffs, and minus 3500 for them to miss the playoffs. Are there any of those numbers that jump out to you uh, off the top of your head? Um, not particularly. You know, like I think this division is really the, the best team in this division is the Colts. And despite them not winning the the division last year, um, I think that they're going to take their step up. You know, they don't have Carson Wentz there anymore. They they get an upgrade in Matt Ryan, who I've seen already developing a, a great rapport with Paris Campbell. You already know what Michael Pittman's going to be doing this year. And, you know, I think that they'll have a more balanced offense when they'll actually be able to, to get the ball down the field more. I mean, I think as we saw, you know, earlier in the season, Carson Wentz didn't really struggle that much. He didn't turn over the ball a lot, but as the season progressed, that's when it started to happen, and they started lean, getting away from the passing game because they knew that Carson Wentz was a problem waiting to happen. So um, I think with a guy like Matt Ryan there, you have a more stable, balanced offense, and then you can still hand the ball off, control the, the clock with Jonathan Taylor. You have a, still a really solid offensive line and a defense that can get it done. So I think they're, they're the best team in this division. The question marks become what happens after that. I think we're going to see a leap of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know if they're going to leapfrog the, the Titans, but I think there's a lot of question marks with the Titans here. Derrick Henry is another year older, huge workload. And, you know, he's coming off of a serious injury, List Frank. So, you know, we got to see how he's going to be. I mean, he's a beast, but, you know, if he can't get it right, what's the what's the next option? And then you also have Robert Woods, who's coming off a of torn ACL, Traylon Burks and his asthma issues. He's looked great in camp. Um, but, you know, I think there's going to be some questions around this Titans offense and really how it's going to be able to um, evolve this year. So um, they really shit the bed in the playoffs last year. And I think that that was – you know, I think that they got they had some definitely some luck throughout the season last year to get them to win this division. And I don't know if we're going to see too much from the Houston Texans. I think they're still in rebuild mode, but who knows? They could surprise. So, you know, I really think this is the Titans. This is the Colts division to win Titans and Jaguars. I think this is going to make it a little bit interesting. And the Houston Texans fall in the last in the last uh, place in the division. All right. Uh, why don't we go through some of our biggest questions heading into the season for each team and kind of break it down that way. For the Indianapolis Colts, can R Matt Ryan stabilize this quarterback position that has flipped every single year? A new quarterback under Frank Reich, 
Uh, you know, Matt Ryan in Atlanta didn't look that great at the end. The arm is definitely starting to go, but yeah. his brain, his ability ultimately part of the reason why Carson Wentz failed at the end, and also I guess his leadership style uh, really clashed. I'm not sure that we know the full story about what happened there at the end for Wentz in Indianapolis, but that's for another podcast. But Matt Ryan should be a stable force. I think everyone around the league respects him uh, as a leader and as a player. I think he'll be great for that locker room. But is he able to stabilize the the quarterback room, the offense, and then who's the secondary pass catcher for the Colts? And they be, can they become a dynamic offense above just relying on that offensive line and Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, I think that's that's the, that's the point, and that I think that that's what we want to see out of Matt Ryan. Is that you know I think that this team when he was leading the Atlanta Falcons, you know. This team was, you know, Super Bowl team, playoff contending team. And then he kind of, you know, hit this wall because a lot of the town around them and their head coaching just kind of failed him. So I think he needed a change of scenery. He lucked up into a very good situation where he actually has a reliable offensive line to protect him because Matt Ryan, you know, he's he's getting older now. He doesn't have the wheels that he must that he used to have to get out of the pocket. Um, so if he can have that protection, I think you can really see him do some things in this offense. I mean, Michael Pittman still managed to have a thousand yards. Um, with Carson Wentz as his quarterback. So I, I just want to see what that offense looks like when you expand the playbook a little bit more because Carson Wentz has, is prone to target only one person. doesn't really go through his progressions like a veteran like Matt Ryan does. So um, I think this is really going to be a good thing for Jonathan Taylor. You know, teams will start to stack the box because they know that they want to run. Now they can't really do that if you have someone like Matt Ryan there that can keep you in check and uh, actually spread the ball around. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. He also has been known to throw to pass catchers um, in the backfield. So I think Naeem Hines, we could see him be more of a, a factor this year as well. You know, Jonathan Taylor saw a lot of a lot of touches last year. Um, and so I think that they want to probably scale that back a little bit. And if you can take him off a third down, you know, maybe not have him picking up blitz packages and stuff like that. Leave that work to Naeem Hines and really use him in the in the uh, in the trenches on the on the short yardage situations in the red zone where you need to score. So I think there's a lot of opportunity with this offense here, and I think they're going to be good. Um, I think this is this is definitely their division to lose, um, and it's really everyone else after that is, is going to have to get in line because the I think they they did the right thing by by acquiring Matt Ryan in the offseason. I mean that deal compared to the deal that they got for Carson Wentz, they got right. two third round picks for Carson Wentz, and they only gave yeah. up one third for Matt Ryan. Obviously, you don't have the sort of shelf life with Matt Ryan that you do for sure. Carson Wentz. But sure. at this so point, we don't yeah. we don't know if Carson Wentz is more than a one-year quarterback at this point. So if you're just going year no. over year, absolutely elite deal for them. And Chris Ballard, we know the general manager for the Colts, is one of the best in the business and has built what I consider one of the best rosters in the NFL outside of quarterback. So now I pose this question to you. Out, let's take quarterback out of this question. Do you think that the Colts have a top five roster in the NFL? Top five. I don't know that I can go that far. Um, Cause if you're looking at, uh, I think the chargers certainly up there. Um, I think the Broncos are going to be very good. You know, you still got the Rams that the champions, the Niners haven't really missed a beat too much. Um, I don't want to put the Packers in that conversation yet. I would say that they're in the top 10, but I don't know if I would go top five. That's fair enough. Uh, I would say from a defensive side, and it'll be interesting to see what they do without Matt Eberflus, who's now the head coach of the Chicago Bears. So obviously a little bit of a new, sure. it's probably not going to be a new defensive scheme, but a new defensive play caller. Obviously Frank Reich takes the offensive side of the ball. But on defense, they have producers at every level. 
Like they right. have great linebackers, and I guess now we have to call him uh, Shaquille Leonard. Uh, a couple of their their quarterbacks and their safeties are are really really productive. You have guys like DeForest Buckner, Quiddy Pay up front nice. that can get the job done. They're a really well balanced defense, especially in this division, which there is not another good offense in this division. Uh, so they should be able to eat within those six games. And then offensively, I'd say they probably have a top three offensive line. They have a top three running back. Their pass catchers and their quarterback is where if they find the most improvement, you can see this team going from what they win nine or 10 games last year. It's going yeah. to like maybe an 11 or 12, Seven. especially in this division where they could go five and one or six in this division pretty easily. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're looking at last year, you know, the, the Titans beat them in both games last year. That's with Carson Wentz is at quarterback here. I, I think, it's going to take some time for the Titans to get back into the rhythm of things because, you know, losing A.J. Brown, getting Derrick Henry back off of a significant injury, um, and then getting another piece in Robert Williams or Robert Woods and also Traylon Burks. Like, their their offense isn't just lockstep. Like, the way that I think you can insert a Matt Ryan, someone that's very cerebral and can learn a playbook very quickly, adapt and, 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 and really take this team to the next level. Um, I think there's going to be some growing pains here for the Titans. Now, I think the good thing about – this division is that, you know, they rank, um, I think three of the teams of this division um, rank in the top 10 and easiest strength of schedule. The only team that's outside of that is the Texans. And if you look at the schedule, it's actually kind of tough for the, the Colts and the Titans to start out. But I think that the Colts have a really good schedule towards the end of the season. So um, if there's any kind of faltering in the beginning of the season, I think you could certainly buy in um, at a better price to win the division later on if, if, if that's available. So it's worth noting because I have it right here. Uh, I use the strength of schedule from Warren Sharp that takes into account Vegas win totals instead of uh, some other strength of schedule metrics, just because I think sure. that Vegas is probably the sharp. Well, we're gamblers, so we always think that Vegas is the sharpest possible. So I'm going to go based on that. Indianapolis right. has the third easiest schedule in the NFL this season, which right. should come as no surprise. Obviously, they were good last year, but didn't win the division, so they don't have to face all the division champions. And they get four games against Jacksonville and Houston and a Tennessee team that we think is going to be down. So obviously right. we expect that to be easier. So third easiest for them. Jacksonville has the 12th easiest. Tennessee has the 12th hardest. And Houston has the fifth hardest. So interesting to note there. I want to jump back to Tennessee in one second. But I want to talk about some fantasy names on the Colts that we should be watching heading into your drafts. Michael Pittman, Naheem Hines, and Alec Pierce. Uh, some guys that I'm interested in. Obviously, you also talked about Paris Campbell being uh, involved in having a nice early connection with Matt Ryan. Do any of those guys jump out as like, oh, I have to get these sort of fantasy guys? I know you mentioned uh, Naheem Hines already, too. Yeah, I'm a, I'm in on Michael Pittman. I, I certainly think that he's a guy that if you decide to go running back heavy or maybe you you grab a tight end in the second round, um, you could definitely come back in the rounds four or five and grab somebody like a Michael Pittman. Um, I think Naeem Hines offers certainly value in, in PPR leagues because he'll get the targets in the backfield um, and see some of those that that third down work from Jonathan Taylor. He's definitely a guy that you can plug and play throughout the season. So probably some bench depth. Um, don't really haven't really bought into much shares of Alec Pierce yet. Um, one of the guys that I've been looking at is Mo Ali Cox really late. Um, if you strike out at tight end, he's going to be on the field a lot. He's one of the better blocking tight ends in the NFL. And he has a, he's really good in the red zone. With that size, he's like 6'7". Um, I think he could seriously be a, uh, a threat there for Matt Ryan, who loves to throw uh, to tight ends in, the, in, that, uh, in that end zone area So, um, and just bigger bodies in general. So I, I, I think those are the, the main guys that I'd be targeting. 
and obviously, you know, Jonathan Taylor, that's that's the one one right there. Not too so, bad. Um, not- yeah, not, not not too shabby. Got got to take him when you when available. All right. Uh, the only bet that I have on the board right now for Indianapolis, and I think it's worth doing it. I understand the idea about waiting because that early season is hard. Yeah. But given the fact that they have the third easiest schedule and all the other teams, I don't expect to perform that well. I am betting Indianapolis minus 125 to win the division. And I think that minus 175 to make the playoffs is also probably a decent bet. I have them projected to go 10 and seven, a little bit over 10.3 wins, but I would not be surprised. I think that's probably the low end unless something happens to Matt Ryan. I, I think that 11 is more realistic than nine. If everybody, well, as long as uh, Matt Ryan is healthy. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I, I think it's worth the juice at minus 125. I'm not going to bet it myself um, just because I think there might be a better price available later if they struggle out the gates with a couple of these matchups. But um, I, I like the Colts to win the division. So I, I think that that's, that's certainly tracking. And I, I think 11 wins is is certainly the ceiling for this team. All right, let's move on to the Tennessee Titans. And I think that the biggest question here is, is this the last ride for this iteration of the Tennessee Titans. They're in a little bit of a transition. They still have yeah. Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Is this Derrick Henry? We've talked about, if you go back to our NFL player props podcast, I'm under on the under 14 and a half, or 14 under and a half, yeah. 1400 and a half rushing yards on the season. I explained why there. go watch that. If you want to learn more about that. Um, but 28 year old running back, probably not getting another contract with Tennessee. If he has a decently successful season and they decide to go to a full rebuild, could be someone that they trade in the offseason. Ryan Tannehill also, uh, you know, he, he's probably not the guy forever there. So if they're going to rebuild at the end of this year, maybe they trade him and he becomes a, you know, Kirk Cousins-like piece and you can get a second-round pick in return for him. Uh, do you think this is the last ride for Tennessee? And do you think that there's any chance that they compete for a playoff spot this season? I do think it's signaling the last ride. Um, you know, Malik Willis was drafted and whether, you know, Tannehill wants to mentor him or not, you know, I think that the writing is on the wall. If he falters here, I think that they could turn to um, a guy that, you know, seemingly rose up draft boards and and has certainly has some talent and some intriguing talent that they want to uh, give a shot. So, you know, if they falter here, I think that they could certainly turn the page here and, and adjust to that, that new regime um, sooner rather than later. Derrick Henry is 28 years old, certainly not a good thing for running back and especially for the workload that he's generated over the last several of years. I mean, this guy's like a three, 400 touch guy. So, you know, there's got to be some kind of cliff that's going, that he's going to uh, eclipse at some point. I don't know if it's this season, but, you know, I think he's on a similar track as like a Travis Kelsey in terms of fantasy of like, how many more years are we going to get out of these guys before their production just falls off? So, um, I think that this is really a, a really interesting team that I don't know that I want to buy into this season because there's so many variables and so much change over the course of the last two seasons. And, you know, they had a, they benefited from a lot of uh, a luck last year, you know, in situational games, like not generating a ton of offense, really relying on their defense. They got away with, with quite a few games. And, uh, you know, I don't think that they're going to get away with that again this year. So I think they're, they're going to regress. They're going to regress back um down to the mean and a little bit. And I think that they're going to take a step back. Somebody in this division has to take a step back. And, you know, if I'm on the Jaguars, which I am, which I know we'll get to, um, I think it's going to be at the detriment of the, of the Titans here. So solid team, maybe could be a fringe playoff team. If they can get through the entire season injury free. And we see Ryan Tannehill play like he did in 2020, but I don't know that I can get behind it, man. 21 touchdowns, 14 interceptions last year. He was not the same guy. 
I could not agree more on fading the Tennessee Titans this season. I'm all over it. Under nine wins for the Titans. I like that. Minus 110 to miss the playoffs. I like that even more. I, I think those are both great spots. My, big, my biggest hesitation, honestly, betting against Tennessee is I'm a huge Mike Vrabel fan. I think he's a great motivator. I think he's a really, really competent head coach. I think he does some stuff strategically during the games with uh, play calling timeout, two-minute drill, uh, first eight and last eight, I, I, or middle eight, sorry. Um, I, I think he's really good. That's my concern. But from a team standpoint, look, that defense we know was cooked last year and they got away with a lot. That front four was generating a lot of pressure. I don't think that they can stay as healthy as they were last year. And then you have the cornerbacks who were absolutely getting toasted last year. I don't think that we can see that continuing uh, this season. So I, I'm all over the Titans uh, under. Uh, yeah, so under under on Henry, 1,400 and a half rushing yards. Tennessee under nine wins. Missed the playoffs, minus 110. I'm all over it. Um, but the two uh, fantasy names I want to talk about, Robert Woods and his return from injury, seemingly going to be the, the 1A or 1B for the Titans. And then also Hassan Haskins. My whole thing about Henry is I think he's going to go down again this year. Is Haskins the guy you believe who will be the bell cow running back if Henry goes down? Um, so I don't know if I would use the term bell cow necessarily because Dontrell Hilliard has been um, a thorn in the side of, of Haskins. And I think he's going to be somebody that's actually going to earn some playing time here because he does have. I mean, I think we saw some of the explosive plays that he made in the absence of of Derrick Henry last year. So I think he's he's a guy that's definitely going to earn some carries and be in that rotation if there's a running back by committee, if it should Henry go down. But I think Haskins is certainly going to be the big body guy that's going to run between the tackles, get the goal line carries, um, kind of take on that power back role if Derrick Henry goes down. So I think there's value in drafting both of them if you have any concern of Derrick Henry and his health. Um, Robert Woods, I think, is going to lead this team in receptions and, and receiving yards ultimately. Um, this guy's a veteran. I, I think Ryan Tannehill is going to find ways. He's an exceptional route runner, even though he's coming off a torn ACL. He's done. He's torn his ACL before, so um, his age is a bit concerning. But you know, I think that he's he has the pedigree to return to form um, and play like he did on the Rams, uh, you know, just a couple years ago. And the other one that I would say that I'm fading a little bit is Traylon Burks. I know that he's been making some really crazy catches in in training camp, and everyone thinks that oh, the asthma is not a thing. Um, I just going to temper expectations. 795 and a half receiving yards is a lot for a rookie and, um, and in an offense that really isn't a pass first offense, you know, this is a very run heavy scheme. And if Derrick Henry is healthy, they're going to be doing it a lot. Um, I'm fading him under 795 and a half receiving yards. And it's at minus 115, uh, sorry, minus 120. Um, I, I think that that's a safe bet. And I, I would actually, if, you know, if I think that Traylon Burks is going to not succeed in his in his receiving prop, I think that there is opportunity for Robert Woods to exceed. I think on FanDuel, I saw his receiving total at 750 yards. I'm tempted at that over um, a, a bit because I think he's going to really be the focal point of their passing offense. And and also from a fantasy perspective, don't sleep on Austin Hooper. Um, I think he's a guy that you know has shown that he could be a viable option as, as a tight end if you miss out on the main tiers, the top two tiers of, of tight ends there. So if you're in the back end of your draft and you forgot to draft a tight end, I think that's somebody you could certainly look towards um, to, to provide some fantasy value week to week. Robert Woods at DraftKings is uh, 800.5 receiving yards this season. <clears throat> yeah, so I would grab FanDuel at 750, um, just 50, 50 yard 
50 yards of margin that you can get that you can gain there. <clears throat> I like it. Um, all right, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that we are both very in on this season. Yeah. Uh, plus 700 to win the division, win totals at six and a half to make the playoffs plus 450 to miss it minus 650. Uh, big question for Jacksonville, in my opinion, is what does Doug Peterson bring to this team and he, can he turn Trevor Lawrence into a viable, let's say, tier two quarterback? Because if Trevor Lawrence lives up to, I don't know, 60% of the hype he had coming into the NFL draft, you're talking about a team that could not only have a rise in the division and exceed their win totals, but a team that could potentially, given what happens to Matt Ryan, if there's an injury there, maybe could win the division here. A little sneaky. But uh, I, I like the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. I think that they have a big season. Yeah, I don't. I, I can't get there to, to win the division quite yet, but I, I do have high expectations for them. I think getting a head coach with with winning pedigree like Doug Peterson, who is formerly a QB coach. Um, this guy is the person that can really bring the most out of Trevor Lawrence right now. And, you know, I, I've looked at early reports in training camp. James Robinson is starting to run, which is good news for them. They could get him at some point in the season. Travis Etienne has been the most explosive and best player in training camp right now. Um, so I think that there's a lot of opportunity for him to grow in year two coming off an injury. Um, Excuse me. But uh, yeah, I, I really think that this is the this is the year that I think Trevor Lawrence is actually going to show some some um, Andrew Luck vibes. I'm going to call it. You know, I think mm -hmm. he's a very intelligent quarterback. He's mobile. He can make throws. He's accurate. Um, and now that he actually has weapons at his disposal, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, um, you still have um, LaVisca Chenault there. He's going to have weapons. So I think this offense is going to be way more improved um, this year. And then also you look on the defensive side of the ball. Draft Trayvon Walker, <coughs> excuse me, and then you also have you know uh, Miles ja uh, Miles Jack. You have you still have a decent defense, um, so I think that um, this is going to be a team that's going to surprise a lot of people. And I would I would say that Trevor Lawrence could definitely creep up into that back end QB QB. He could definitely be QB two if you're in a super flex, certainly startable. Um, I think there could be matchups where you might want to stream him. Um, you know, say against the Texans or some of these other divisional matchups where he could provide over 20 fantasy points just for his rushing upside alone. So um, I think there's a lot of room for growth here for Trevor Lawrence in year two. And I think this Jacksonville Jaguars team is going to surprise. I like them actually to to get over two and a half wins in the division. That's minus 120. I think that's that's relatively good value for uh, a team that I think will surprise and get at least three wins in this division. So the bets that I have in here, I like the over two and a half in the division. Uh, certainly two against the Texans and one against the Titans makes a lot of sense to me. So Jacksonville over six and a half wins. I like that a lot. I do like a little spicy on the playoffs plus 450 or to win the division plus 700. Just a little sprinkle. I wouldn't bet too much on that. But I do think that there's a chance that if this division is truly terrible and Matt Ryan goes down, I would pick Jacksonville to win the division. So at plus 700. Maybe worth a little bit of a sprinkle there. Although, can you imagine Jacksonville hosting a playoff game this season? In theory, possible, but that would be wild. Um, the other, I have two other bets on Jacksonville for, yeah, I do. Uh, Doug Peterson, coach of the year, plus 2,000. If he turns around this Jacksonville team that has been in the doldrums for, you know, half a decade at this point, turns, oh, wow. Trevor, Lawrence, Trev, turns Trevor Lawrence around, makes him into what we thought he would be as the number one player drafted in the 2021 draft. He gets that offense cooking, stabilizes the organization. 
I think that if they get, you know, eight, nine, ten wins, he's going to be in it. And at plus 2,000, I think it's well worth it. We know that Doug Peterson is a really competent head coach. We saw what he did with the Eagles. We know that he's going to be super aggressive, which I personally love. I think it will separate him from some of the other coaches in this division and will win them some extra games this season. So give me Doug Peterson, Coach of the Year, plus 2,000. And the player prop I love in this division, going to go back to Trevor Lawrence here, over 3,800.5 passing yards this season. Just think about this for a second. Mac Jones had 3,801 passing yards last year. Trevor Lawrence, by himself, while completing 59% of his passes and having the most drop passes in the league by wide receivers, by himself had 3,641 passing yards last year. All he has to do is add another 160 to that to clear this number, 3,800 and a half. Yes, there's always a risk for injury. Welcome to gambling. But in general, with Doug Peterson, with his uh, pensions to throw the ball. I think that you're going to see a lot of passing out of the backfield also with ETN back there. Um, I love the over 3,800 and a half passing yards for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I think that you're right there. And, you know, with only 160 yards with the, the amount of pass catchers that they have there now, and I, I, I neglected to mention Evan Ingram also came there. Um, his hands are looking a little questionable in training camp, but, you know, uh, he's still a weapon. He's still somebody that's going to have to be checked in the middle of the field. So, they have weapons at their disposal, so I think they're really going to see this offense open up under Doug Peterson and and see Trevor Lawrence hit that next hit that next uh, that next level um, in terms of his growth as a quarterback. And I actually took Trevor Lawrence as my back my backup quarterback in an FSGA expert league because I'm that high on him, and I think he's really going to turn it up in uh, in year two. Um, Want to go back to one bet that I neglected to say was um, AFC South exact order. Colts, Jags, Titans, Texans plus nine hundred. So nine to one, um, betting on the Titans to go take a to take a take a back seat, and then the Jaguars to make that leap. So um, like that at nine to one. That is a beautiful, beautiful bet plus nine hundred. I think that I'm going to have to get that. What book did you get that at? DK. All right, uh, I'm going to have to go put place that after this. Uh, last question on the Jaguars for me. Which of the wide receivers do you think is going to pop this season? So they have Zay Jones, Marvin Jones Jr., LaVisca Chenault, Christian Kirk. Uh, My question in fantasy is I don't know which of those guys I'm supposed to take. I think that Kirk, given the money that they gave him, is probably the best bet. But, you know, I I don't know. Uh, I'm interested to see if Doug Peterson will coach up uh, Trevor Lawrence to throw the sort of deep ball that – Nick Foles used to throw to Alshon Jeffrey with the one with a lot of arc under to get under it. Right. And I don't right. know if that's a coaching point or if it was a Nick Foles specific thing, but if he does, that's a per- perfect way for Christian Kirk to take the top off the defense and find some real success down the field. Yeah. I'm going to lean towards Christian Kirk. I mean, I think, um, you know, they gave him the bag. That was certainly an indication of how they value him. So I think there's going to be plays to be schemed up to get the ball in his hands. Um, from an overall fancy perspective, I think Travis Etienne has the biggest upside um, in, in terms of people that I want to buy in on. He's getting a little bit expensive. Might be able to get him at a discount now that there's rumors of James Robinson and his uh, rehabilitation, how that's going. But, you know, I really like Etienne this year. I would definitely target Christian Kirk as a wide receiver two or three, um, depending on, you know, what, what your roster build looks like. But, you know, I think Kirk's had six touchdowns in the last two seasons, so – I don't think that that's a fluke, and he was playing second fiddle to DeAndre Hopkins. If he's the man, uh, I think we could see that go up a little bit, and, and certainly in the yardage. You know, he had 77 receptions last year. If he gets the ball out quickly like D- Doug Pearson wants to in this kind of pro- prolific offense, 
um, this could be this could really be a, a, an exciting time to uh, to be Christian Kirk and, and be a fantasy owner of him. Um, yeah. Zay Jones, I'm, I'm curious about red zone. And also, like Marvin Jones is certainly a guy that's going to be there. He's going to he's going to get his work. But I think those guys are going to probably um, have to cede some targets to Christian Kirk because he is the money man in the building. Yeah. And we saw what Christian Kirk did last year, the second half of the season, even with a Kyler Murray, who was a little bit banged up. Right. Uh, but with DeAndre Hopkins out, he turned into the guy uh-huh. and got himself paid. So if he's the guy in Jacksonville and they're designing an offense around what he can do best, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a pretty nice fantasy season, especially compared to his ADP. All right, why don't we head over to Houston, a team that is still in a full rebuild but has every pick in the building. Once again, they will be with a coach who is only going to last one year there until they find out whoever's going to end up being the head coach there, Levy Smith. Um, But I guess the biggest question for them, the only question that matters for them, is Davis Mills the guy? And this is their year to figure it out. Um, do you have faith in Davis Mills, either in fantasy or in real life? Do you think that he can be a real guy? And do you think that the Houston Texans can do anything interesting other than just try to compete this season? A real guy. Uh, it's it's hard to tell because he really went off towards the second half of the season. Uh, once they kind of let the, let the, let the, uh, shackles off, you know, and kind of let him run the offense, but I'm still have my concerns. Their offensive line is actually pretty solid. Um, so he has the protection. Um, it's just the running back room. Like, how are they going to be able to generate any kind of tempo or game flow? Because, I, I mean, you got Damian Pierce behind you, Rex Burkhead, Marlon Mack, just a bunch of journey, uh, two journeymen and a rookie. So I think that there's enough to, there's, there's not a lot to be desired there. But then also, pass catchers wise, you know, John Mechie um, has unfortunately been diagnosed with leukemia. So he's going to be missing some time. You're only left with Brandon Cooks. I, I don't even think I know who they're. Brevin Nico. Jordan, I think it's Nico. Nico Collins. That's true. Nico Collins, year two. That's true. <clears throat> yeah, from a tight end perspective, you're left with Brev- Brevin, Brevin Jordan. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, it's, it's so not I, great. I, it's not great. Um, I think there's a very good chance he could lead the league in interceptions. Right now, his line is at 14 and a half. He had 10 in 13 games last year, um, 11 as a starter. So um, I have my concerns about Davis Mills, and I don't know that he's really the future quarterback. And I wouldn't be surprised if they spend that draft capital next season on a quarterback if he doesn't prove himself. So I'm out. The Texans are such a weird team to me because what the Nick Casario has done is he's built, if you're going to create a roster, let's say that you have your tier one guys or like your top five guys around the league. Uh, and then your tier two guys are the guys who are starters, maybe pro bowlers every once in a while. Then you have the tier three guys, the guys that just fill in the team you know, 26 through 53. Their 26 through 53 is really talented. They've done a really good job of building from the bottom up, but they have no superstars yet. So my question is, does it give them a decent baseline to be able to compete that, you know, their average weak side linebacker is just as good as anyone else in the league. They just don't have the superstars to compete. If you have one of these guys or two of these guys pop, I think that you could see the Houston Texans take a nice step forward. I don't believe in the coaching staff at all. I believe more in the front office. We've seen this thing with Levy Smith. We saw what he did at Illinois. We see what he did in the NFL. Yes, he was okay with the Chicago Bears back in the day, but different sort of coaching staff at this point. I think the defense is really young. They just have too many young guys all over the place, which is where you should be when you're rebuilding. But to expect them to do anything positive in terms of winning games, I'm not sure. And I don't know where I stand on Davis Mills. I watched him at Stanford. He was nothing. We watched him at the end of last year. He definitely grew, but 
are they going to give him an opportunity to actually be successful? Like you said, Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins, th- those guys are okay, but compared to the rest of the league wide receivers, those guys are terrible. Their tight end situation, bad. Offensive line's fine. Damian Pierce might be something. If they get a great running game going, I think it would be hugely beneficial to Davis Mills. But if teams are just able to focus on Mills, I, I don't know if we're going to see the guy that I think that the Houston Texans are hoping to see and not have to reinvest a bunch of picks into finding that quarterback of the future. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I think, you know, there's a chance that, you know, we'll see Nico Collins make this leap forward. Um, the Texans definitely surprised last year, but their win total is in at four and a half. There's there's not much to get too excited about here. I don't, I don't know that I feel like they're going to exceed that. I think they will sneak out a couple of wins in this division. Um, as they've proven to do. I mean, they've pretty much owned the Jacksonville Jaguars winning eight straight um, against them since 2018. Um, but this is going to be those one of those teams that I think you're going to see a lot of garbage time stats. They're going to be playing from behind. Davis Mills is going to have to throw the ball. And I think that's where the mistakes could happen. So I do like his over 14 and a half interceptions. And <clears throat> um, shout out to Sean Kerner, um, who gave out uh, Davis Mills to lead the league in interceptions at uh, – believe it's 10 to one yeah 10 to one to uh, lead the league in interception so i also like that bet because he's gonna be throwing a lot because they're gonna be down and this team isn't very good so yeah I, I'm, I'm pretty much out on davis mills good enough bet to bet against him that makes a lot of sense to me uh i would really like to bet uh the over four and a half here just because i think that that line is pretty low and i think there's enough talent there and enough of you know uh enough heart to be able to get to five wins this year the thing that's holding me back is they have the fifth hundred schedule in the NFL. So I, I just don't know if I can get there. It's probably not somewhere that I want to actually place my money, but I am looking at it. I think it's interesting just to go five and 12 in that division that we all don't think is very good. Uh, that would be the only angle that I have on Houston. I might do the Davis Mills thing. My question with him is, yeah, they're going to be behind from a lot of games. And so maybe he'll throw a lot of interceptions. But I don't know if they're going to trust him enough to just be like, okay, go sling it at the end of games. It might just be like, all right, let's just run the ball and end the game. I don't, I don't know just how that works. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I mean, it's, I don't know. It's going to be a struggle for them because, I mean, going up against the AFC West, who their defenses are really, really solid. Uh, it just seems like a turnover nightmare for me. Um, if I'm the Texans, you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole, and you got those secondaries protected because you know they're, they're not scared of the run, so. You know, they could run like a quarter's defense, dime packages or whatever, force him to bait him into throws and just make mistakes. He's still a young guy, very intelligent quarterback, gone through some injuries throughout his, his college career. But I think there's a lot of outs here to, for him to fail. Um, so I'm not as high on the, the Texans this year, though they could get a couple wins here and there. I, I don't know that I can get there for five. and <clears throat> Definitely not with Davis Mills, a quarterback. All right. Final thing before we head out of here. Uh, and I, and I fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing fine. Uh, the divisional MVP and LVP, who do you think wins our fake divisional MVP award? MVP, got to give to Jonathan Taylor. Um, LVP. Ooh. Ryan Tannehill. Stole it right out of my mouth. I was definitely going to go Tannehill as LVP. MVP, yeah, I should go with someone on the Indianapolis Colts for sure. And Jonathan Taylor makes a lot of sense. Everything runs through him. I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence. I think he has a big I like season. It. I, like I think it. he has a big season. Uh, and I, I think that an, an MVP award now in this made-up game 
go, should go to a quarterback. That's what the NFL is. Who do I think is going to be the best court? Who do I think is going to be the best quarterback in this division this year? I think it'll be Trevor Lawrence. So Let's there you go. go. That's my MVP for the AFC South. All right, that does it for this podcast. We will be back soon with our NFC South divisional preview. Until then, good luck with all of your bets. Go place all those bets. Go run to DraftKings and go place that plus 900 on the exacta on Colts, Jaguars, Titans, and Texans. I absolutely love that bet. Dan, thank you for joining me, and thank you for sending me that bet. Can't wait to place it. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.